dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. Uh, I'm your host, Alan Mead, dentist, podcaster, and tablet charging technician. Uh, I would like to introduce my co-host today. He's actually been on the show before. He's a friend of mine, an advisor of sorts, and uh, getting ready for a wedding this evening. Uh, welcome, Dr. Zachary Miners. How are you doing, Zach? Alan, uh, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me back. You know, now that I've this is my second podcast I've been on, I, I feel like I'm a little more comfortable, and I'm... I'm uh, Thankful you had me back I've, after the first episode. I didn't know exactly how I did, so it's it's nice to know that uh, it's good enough to for a repeat performance. Yeah, just just always remember you're being judged constantly. So of, of course, yeah. So uh, I have found with two children and lots of tablets in my life, I think that that uh, tablet charging technician remark is maybe the most accurate thing I've ever said on this podcast. Just you know. <laughs> we, I, we, I have owned, I, I think I've said this on the Dental Hacks before, I'll bet you I've owned no less than 20 or more tablets, personally, like personally, and meaning, like I, I buy them just quickly enough for my children to break them or or lose them or what have you. And so, and, and the struggle is always trying to keep them charged. My kids are really good at killing those. So that makes me a horrible parent. And, uh, but there you have it. Uh, we we have multiple tablets either at home and at the office, and it's between charging them, updating them, keeping them going, and fixing them when someone breaks them. It's a whole thing. It's that's funny. For too, sure. It's funny too because it's it's like you know the black box on a plane that's indestructible, and then you think, why don't they make the plane out of that? Same, same <laughs> for, for tablets. I'm like, if there's a way to if there's a way to and and what's funny too is like I have to admit that many of the tablets have. I mean, some of the drops that I've witnessed from my children that didn't break them are bordering on miraculous. And so it's irritating when they do break. But on the other hand, like I've gotten so many, so many near misses with these things. It is, I don't know. It's funny. You, you just wish you could like glue them to the children's hand or something. But I'm afraid that <laughs> I don't think I honestly, I broke my phone. I dropped my phone once in the backside cracked on it. And uh, so that was my bad. But the rest of them have been children pretty much. I had, I had a, uh, uh, our first iPad, my son brought in the shower with him. Uh, which, oh gosh! Yeah, he was like he was like two. I, I didn't realize he had done that, and uh, it was working for a while in the shower. So you got to give it got to give it credit. It's pretty impressive. Indeed, indeed, it is. So I just wanted to mention to uh, everyone that this episode and all episodes of the Alameda Experience have been brought to you by Premier Dental Products. Uh, Premier has been really they've been very forward thinking about all this stuff, uh, the podcasting. And I just wanted to let everyone know I appreciate it. Premier is inspired solutions for daily dentistry. I think Zach and I are going to talk about that a little bit later too. So Zach, you and I have been kicking around some ideas to talk about, and um, I'm going to just, I'm going to just fire this off here. I spent yesterday about 12 hours at, at the Midland County Fair. Midland is a couple hours north of Detroit, uh, Midland County fair is well known as like the best fair in basically North of maybe anywhere it's, it's in Michigan. It's really, it's a really big, really well done fair, but it's a fair nonetheless. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a County fair. So, um, I was, it, it takes going to the Midland County fair. I think sometimes, uh, to really get a look at teeth. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I just I think to myself, I'm like, okay, this is. I mean, this is a Midland County Fair or any county fair is a place where lots of people go, and you know, it's recreation. They kind of come out to play. They come. And and first, I, I look at I look at. Um, now, I am not a lightweight guy. I am not in shape, but but it's amazing how many people are really really heavy, like like debilitatingly heavy. It's amazing how many people um and people young, young younger than I thought was legal have uh tattoos and piercings that would likely change their uh prospects for employment kind of thing. I mean, I don't I don't mean to be like a fuddy-duddy. I'm I'm fine with tattoos and everything like that. I I've gotten to a point where they're so mainstream that it's like doesn't bother me, but but some of the, you know, like we're talking neck and face and and you know, ear lobes stretched out beyond repair and, and and facial piercings and it's and I'm thinking to myself I mean that's the kind of thing that makes it hard to get a job right I mean it's one thing when you got oh, a tattoo on it it's a, it's another thing when you're I mean you're like you're like kind of disfigured almost by this thing and, and that's fine I, I it's fine but it's like it's another one of those choices that are being made in any case and then you look around and you see I can't believe how many missing front teeth people with no front teeth or, or a bunch of missing or Several times, people that had just like frank brown decay. I just I wanted to bring them in my office and like so I'm and I'm just like this is like a lot of the population, right? This is this is not this is not limited. And I just thought to myself, man, you know, I think dentists don't quite have have a good handle on uh, maybe maybe no one wants to work on those people, but those people need dental help. <laughs> I mean, whether or not they can afford it, I guess is a whole other story. But I, I just I just was. It was so in my face yesterday at the fair. I don't know if you ever been any place like that that just brings that out and makes you notice it. Yes, I, what I was going to ask is: it, was this fair kind of like a low cost, no cost family activity yeah, that, that exactly. people could do? Is that more or less what it was? Parking parking's five bucks a day. Costs nothing to get in. Uh, the rides. I mean, you can if you actually pay for rides, you're you're shelling out. But like you could get a, I, there was like ride all day for twenty five bucks or something like that, which is which is not. That's not nothing, but it's it's a pretty big for a family thing. Yeah, it's a it's a value it's a value thing. God, if you buy I, any food there, though, holy crap, it's expensive. But anyhow, it's oh yeah, I I do, and I think that you know that uh, in practices like we were talking about before, I think we have kind of similar practices. We probably deal with mostly people with jobs with decent jobs. Uh, who have some sort of, you know, relatively decent dental insurance, and it all it's it kind of automatically pre-selects you to dealing with maybe the upper half yeah. of the of the of the population, and uh, it takes going to something like that or participating in one of those uh, Mo Mom type of events, mm-hmm. uh, or or listening to some of the people in the dental hacks nation that, that work at, uh, FQHCs and, yeah. um, it's, it's to, to realize that there's, there's a whole nother, there's a whole, level there's a whole of dentistry yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah. And my thing is like, I would argue, and I don't know this, I don't have any data in that. That's sort of a, a dumb reason to argue it, but I think that's more dentistry. That's, that's, that's a much larger percentage of people than are ever going to be doing anything close to high end. In, well, in our, well, especially if you if you think globally, if you ever listen to like uh, Howard Ferran's podcast when mm-hmm. he interviews some of the dentists from you know international areas, uh, I mean, you know, the uh, a lot of the things that we we talk about uh, on a day to day basis on 
Dental Hacks Nation or or in podcasts are some elite level dentistry that yeah. you're talking about only, you know, maybe what, five, ten percent of the population could it's a pipe dream for everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, veneers, full mouth reconstructions, Invisalign, all that. It's very elite level stuff. Yeah. And so there's there's a couple different ways to approach this conversation. First off, um why is it that that like almost all of the CE that is is promoted and thrown at people and I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty as charged, right? We we are big fans of the Cosmonet classes on the dental hacks and everything, but but frankly, even that I will say the Cosmonet's maybe a little bit different because it's cosmetic dentistry that's really com- very composite based. They don't yeah. talk a ton about ceramics. So the reality is is that that's closer to something that's cost effective uh, for some folks although i have to say that they, they don't they don't promote it as such in that way but it's i mean it's but i look at it and i go you know that's what everyone the, the ce that we're pushing the, the the stuff we're learning how to do is meant to to be high end in most cases most people are aspiring to do full mouth dentistry and comprehensive care and i'm in and i look at these people and i'm like these some of these people don't have two nickels to rub together and and you know it's no it's no wonder that I guess I just feel like what dentists think of dentists and what people think of dentists can come out of this a little bit. Like, well, like, you know, as for the CE thing, I mean, it's, it, it's, I, I always wondered that for the long time as well, but then I realized there's no real, who's going to lecture about, you know, uh, acrylic partials or, um, you know, amalgams or just who's going to lecture about you know low-end basic dentistry it's a good and who's point. going to want to go to that lecture it's a good and point to except- sponsor that lecture yeah that's that's tougher but it, it, it's a good point because i will say that there's like to be honest that would there would be some value in some of that right like like talking about efficiency talking about you know making it last and maybe maybe that's not what they're worried my, my concern is that if you're doing this kind of dentistry you still shouldn't schlock it off, right? I mean, like you still, I don't know. The less you have to see these, the less these folks have to be seen. I don't know. I don't know. Um, listen to me. I'm 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 a herodontist in a lot of cases. There's a lot of times where I hang on to teeth where I know darn well that I shouldn't be, and I I don't I don't necessarily give the informed consent that that I should on those things. But I don't know. I just I'm 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 sort of stuck. Like there is this level. There's a ton of need there. I, and actually, I will have to say, you mentioned the the mission of mercy um, type things. In a lot of cases, there's people that really come in there with huge need, and they really don't have an ability. But but they don't screen. At least the Michigan, they don't screen for income or anything like that. Anyone can show up and get something done, and you get you get one thing done, and then you can get back in line. So you can get your profi, uh, and then get back in line if you want to do it again, or you can get a filling or whatever. I mean, like like it wasn't like it wasn't like they were coming in and, and I don't know. It's just a little bit in that way. I feel like the mission of mercy is a little bit of a fail because. I literally saw when the first one in Michigan was was in the same town that my practice is in. Like, I multiple ones mentioned that they have a dentist already, but they're just going in to get because they knew they could get something done for free. And I did I did one of those for the first time in in Missouri, um, in the city I practice in. That it was last year, and uh, of course, there's something wrong with me because I signed up to do the endo. Oh wow! Uh, portion of it. And, oh wow! Uh, what a guy. Okay. Uh, they didn't let. They won't let anyone but endodontists do it at the Michigan one, which, and I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> uh, well, no, almost no one wanted to do the endo part, and since I actually like doing endo, that's what I signed up for, and 
you know, I, it was, you know, obviously you're not going to do a molar. They take those out, but you know, I banged out, you know, three or four bicuspids over the course of the day. And, uh, you know, uh, and you're right. Some of those people said, you know, well, I got to get back to my regular dentist to get the crown done on this at some point. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I don't know that, that, I don't know. know that they can necessarily, I don't know. I don't, I don't hold that against them. It is what it is. It's no, not, they're, it they're is. not, they're not saying this is for poor people. They're saying this is, this is free dentistry. I, I will say that those mission of mercy things get under my skin. And I'll tell you what, uh, Alan Mead experienced listeners. If you hate the, what I'm saying, I would love it if you'd email me. Cause I, I, I can be convinced of otherwise if, if with a good argument, but the problem with that is I think it's, it's dentistry quote unquote dentistry as a whole, um, agreeing with the the notion that dentistry is too expensive for regular people. When we say we need to do a free dentistry event, I think in some ways we sell ourselves a little short that way because, you know, maybe dentistry is too expensive. I don't know. But I don't know that I, I think for people who, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating for me. It, like, I hate, I hate the argument of, well, everyone's got a cell phone. You know, they don't, they, like, why can't they afford regular dentistry? I hate that argument. It drives me crazy because it's so judgmental. But on the other, it's kind of true too. It, it, your priorities are important. And then there's the whole idea of healthcare as a right, and dentistry falls into that. So I mean, I, I'm so stuck on this. I'm like the wishy washiest person ever, and it drives me crazy because I can always see both sides of these arguments, and it makes me makes me kind of sick to my stomach that we have to we have to justify ourselves in that way. No, Alan, I'm the same way as you. I I could I could you know someone could talk on both sides of that argument, and I could find myself agreeing with much or all of what they say so i mean i think it's a it is a sticky so point you're a wishy-washy dentist is, like me too oh extremely <laughs> yeah. you know though i tell you what and you know what that's one the, of the I, reasons that you and i are never going to have a high-end uh, cosmetic practice because i think no. i think you have to be able to think in black and white to be able to do that complete like like specialize in that or whatever i really do i think i think that you have to you have to see that as your vision and you being one like I don't, I'm not saying that high-end cosmetic practices don't like poor people, but I think high-end cosmetic practices don't really like poor people. <laughs> no, well, they don't. And I tell you what, but what we were talking about earlier with like the CE, you know, I would if if at you know the Chicago Midwinter, if there was actually just a course called, you know, hacks and tricks for you know taking care of people in a very decent way on a budget, and they were talking about just things that help save teeth, like stainless steel crowns on adult molars mm-hmm. or you know glass ionomers to you know patch things over uh or you know some of the composite bridges and stuff like that i, I would go to that course mm-hmm. uh i just don't know who would teach that course and who would sponsor that course but i would go to that course i've thought about that <laughs> I a lot of people teach I, wish it. It I, think, I think your key is who would sponsor it because that's not that who wants to be who wants to be related to um well, actually, you know what? Parkell has a lot of that stuff in their catalog, though, right? Doesn't Parkell? Parkell, their their entire catalog is photos of people that are sort of that are sort of jury rigging some pretty interesting solutions with Parkell products. So, so maybe you know, you're, you're right about that. That's and I don't true. I don't hold it against them. I mean, honestly, but they're like a lot of their stuff is is whatever the opposite of of you know a, a, an arch full of Emacs veneers is. It's like you know what this is this will get this tooth a little ways, and and so in that sense, you kind of. There might be some people that would be that would be on board with that. It is it is it's important to be able to to rescue a tooth. It's also important when you are rescuing a tooth like that with with a, a hail mary that the patient knows that you're rescuing the tooth because patients forget that stuff. 
You know, you, well, that's that's true. That's true. I let me ask you this, Alan. Now, I've, I'm pretty sure that you and I are on the sim- same page, and that extractions aren't necessarily our our favorite procedure to do. Would that be a fair yeah, yeah, no, that's, fair that's assessment? Fair. I, you know what? I is that part of it? Do, do we feel almost compelled? Like, oh man, I would love to just I can just throw something on this tooth and keep it a little longer. I won't have to do the extraction. Yeah. You know, is that is that like some percentage of it? Because for me, it is just a small percentage of it somewhere in there. Maybe. You know what's really funny though? I okay. So for extractions, I actually it's love hate. It's love hate because honestly, I I actually enjoy extractions when I keep my head about me. You know, I I I had a bad beat earlier this year where I got I got smoked by a particularly tough extraction that I should have like in retrospect I should have known. But it is difficult for me to send to a surgeon in my area. If it were if it were the kind of thing. Where I could say this tooth needs to come out. Let's get you into the surgeon. They'll 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 get you and take a look at it tomorrow. I I wouldn't do any extractions. I mean, or I would do very few. Um, that's not my option. Like like it just takes a long time to get in with a surgeon. Even though I think we got great surgeons around us, it's not quick. So in that sense, I, that might be part of what keeps me coming back to extractions. Because you know, if you're going to get it done in any kind of a, a timely way, I mean, that's the only way you're going to get it done. So. Yeah, which is okay. fine. Which is which is fine. I mean, I it's I get that part of it too. But like, I I would much prefer do an extraction than endo at this point. <laughs> I mean, unless uh, it's, unless it's an yeah. anterior, unless it's an anterior, uh, or or it's very straightforward. Endo has been much more frustrating to me lately than than extractions have. Um, and endo is one of those things too, where where I hear so much from patients that do the endo and don't follow through, or the ones where they're doing the endo on on a tooth. That is questionably restorable or whatever, and they're just desperate to hang on to the tooth. And when the endo fails, they look at endo as being something that doesn't, you know, that just doesn't work. My thing is like in a lot of cases, what I I will hold on to a tooth that needs an indirect, like an onlay, for so long that by the time we're doing a crown, we're just making a save of the tooth in general. I mean, like the reality is, is had we gotten in there a little earlier, like the few times I get to do like an onlay on a tooth that needs it in a timely fashion. I'm thinking to myself, why don't I do this all the time? Because I, you know, I can actually preserve tooth structure. This tooth is going to last for freaking ever. And it's and the procedures easier and all that stuff. And I, I just, I think, I think my 20 years in dentistry, there's been a lot of mindset of, of whether it's, it's probably more me than the patients at this point, but I've gotten told no a lot of times. So a lot of times I just sort of hold out in, in that. So like, I think it's my mental disorder in a lot of cases. You know, one one of the you know speaking of, of of CE that's that's high end, but also has applications for saves like you're talking about. I want to take the BioClear posterior because I feel like in a lot of ways, while that's a high end course, some of those things that they're showing, like with the the BioClear overlays, composite mm-hmm. overlays, mm-hmm. and Mac Jones has shared some of those yeah. on the Dental Hacks Nation, where it's you know it's a inexpensive, more conservative way to cover the cusps, save a tooth, um, and you know do so at a lesser price. But yeah, but that's coming from a you know you know BioClear is a high end course. That's an expensive it's, it's in, course. It's interesting and, too because. Because the inexpensive part of BioClear has everything to do with the operator. If you have bio, a BioClear restoration done by Dave, it's not inexpensive. I mean, you're, you're well, but, okay. But sure. what I but what I will say is he and so he won't he won't claim it's inexpensive. But here's the thing, BioClear to me is like really excellent. Uh, 
everything about it is very plausible from from the heated composite to the preparation style to the matrix everything is super plausible about it and the other thing that dave won't probably admit this but but it's kind of like doing a really beautiful layered posterior composite like jason smithson style is super difficult um and and it requires it requires a skill set that not everyone has, myself included. I just, I, I mean, I want to be able to do that, but with this, I've taken lots of classes I've practiced. I'm just not very good at it. I, I, I'm not, like, I can't deliver the product in the way that, that I'd like to be able to. BioClear is a touch closer to step-by-step that, requ- this is horrible. Dave doesn't want to hear this, but it requires less personal, like, like artistic ability and skill set. And you know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, it's, it's more of a mono shade. It is. You're, you're giving you're giving good anatomy. You're giving uh, impeccable bonding and great margins, but you're not tinting or staining. Yeah, or, and actually, the anatomy. I have to say, the anatomy is the anatomy is not. You know, if uh, I don't think the guys who do layered posteriors would say the anatomy was even close to adequate. I mean, there's uh, Dave's like, why would you put big grooves in there again? That's what causes f- fractures. So, I mean, from an engineering standpoint, it does make sense. The so the reality is, is the BioClear restoration is pretty from a distance. Up close, it's it's it lacks a lot of particular, particularly the occlusal anatomy. I mean, the interproximal, the anatomy that you get for contour, uh, particularly interproximal, is is dead sexy and about the best you've ever seen. But like you don't, what you don't get is you don't get layered, you know, uh, different colors and staining. You don't get any of that at all. And and he would say that's all. That's all for that's all for dentists, and I mean, there's a point to be argued there. To be honest, it's it's like well, a, and you're right. And if you're trying to make a save, you need something that's going to be efficient for you mm-hmm. to provide. If you want to do something that's and and charge a lower cost for it, it's going to have to be you know the 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 material overhead can't be too high, the time overhead can't be too high. But because I'm not talking about doing a composite, you know, over, you know, overlay with all the tints that yep. that takes an hour. Yep. I'm talking about something you can bang out in, you know, twenty or thirty minutes yep. with with you know ten bucks worth of composite, and um, you know, save a tooth for someone. I look, the, I look the, at, the, I look at his overlay. Te- I look at his overlay technique, and I think to myself that could be the future. I mean. Uh, what's again, the plausible part of it is like, okay, we know that composite shrinkage is a huge problem for all this stuff. But the reality is when you're, when you're bulk curing, um, composite over cusps to the buccal and lingual, that shrinkage, what does that do that? I mean, it's plausible that that shrinkage actually can kind of reinforce the tooth a little bit. Like, like the fact of the matter, it's shrinking towards the center. And if you're bonding to a to a bunch of enamel, you're at you could potentially be holding that tooth together in a way that hasn't been done before, and that has a lot to do with the matrix and the design of well, the preparation and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's well for sure that you know there's your your C factor disappears when you're covering cusps, yep. so you don't have to worry about that. And two, do you ever follow? Have you ever followed any of the work on dental? T- um, excuse me, on dental town that like there's a guy that goes by the name of Doc Terry yep. who just posits all composts all these. Massive composites, stuff that crazy stuff, but awesome at the same time. That's one of his theories as well: is that that contraction shrinkage, when done over a a huge amount of surface area like this, does actually serve to potentially reinforce rather than what sucks you know, about this is that, the tooth. is that they're not going to ever do they're not ever going to research that actually tests this like like peer reviewed research. Which is probably a whole other thing we should talk about as well. Yeah, uh, peer review research—they're never going to do that. That—that's not. There's no way we're going to ever find out. You could do. You could do. You know, small clinical studies or whatever. But first off, no one's going. 
No one's going to say, no, let's just do giant composites and test those. No one wants to do that. I mean, that's not, the manufacturers don't want to do that. Even composite manufacturers don't want to do that. But the reality is, is that we, it would be research that would be valuable to, to clinical dentists for the fact that, <laughs> you know, for the longest time, if you have to do a big filling, everyone says you need to do amalgam because composite can't do this. Well, okay, Dave is claiming from BioClear is claiming that done correctly, which in done correctly is correct. I mean, okay, you're buying the matrix from him, so there's a little bit of a maybe a, a a problem from him. But the fact that it's heated, the fact that they're removing all the biofilm prior to bonding, the bonding is impeccable, all this stuff, that's different than you know your run of the mill composite. That's the you know okay something else that I want to talk about that's a little different. I want to come back to that. We're going to come back to that because now I'm going to break. We, we're going to talk a little bit about Premier here. Uh, okay. I want to hear uh, something different about run of the mill uh, composite finishing discs. Now here's the thing, uh, Premier has has Premier Dental Products has a whole bunch of products, right? So it's not like I, I, I'll probably never run out of stuff to talk about. But um, there's some that I haven't tried that I'm just starting to get into. And uh, their discs I'm starting to get into, right? So I want you to tell me about their Polypro discs because I, I haven't started using them yet. So I want to hear about them. Okay, so polypro discs. Um, for the longest time in, in dental school, I was exposed to, to Softlex, mm-hmm. much, much like much like you probably yep, were. Yep. With the and they have that that metal uh, mandrel right in the middle of it. Yep. Well, that's where that's where polypro shines. It's a more of a rubberized cup with the. Um, with the sanding disc on the outside, it goes on a mandrel. It goes in a latch type handpiece, and now you can use the entire surface of the disc to polish your restoration. So you're saying these are two uh, these are two sided discs, correct? Well, okay. So um, the coarse is not, but the there's four grits. The medium and fine and extra fine, they have they are they're double sided. Okay. Uh, course course is single sided. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but but you can use the entire surface of the disc. It almost reminds me in a lot of ways of like I don't know if you've ever used one of those orbital waxers when you wax your car. Yeah. Um, but like you know you can just like you can put pressure on it to polish because you don't have to worry about the metal mandrel hitting up against the tooth. Sure. You can use the whole surface of the disc. Um, it's a it's a very like you know. Uh, just you know, you just coarse to fine to extra fine to um, to get your your get your composite polished. It, it's very systematic. It works. Using the whole disc is nice, and it's an it's an inexpensive system. There's other companies that make discs like this, and Premiers are not only the best performing, but also the least expensive of those types of discs. I, one of the things um, I you'll like, like about them. You, you'll like using them. You talk for your big class fours. Big class fives or the, uh, you know, you posted a picture a few months ago of like some kind of composite veneers that you'd done on the Mm -hmm. lower. Mm -hmm. For those, brilliant because you really can just go over that whole surface of the restoration and really shine it It up nice. It is funny too because, I mean, I'm a fan of Softlex discs. I've been using them since dental school. But that is a huge weakness of the the system is the mandrel. Like whether that's that's, uh, because you can't can't really – the middle of it is going to beat up your restoration – or if the mandrel gets loose and you pop the discs off, all this stuff. This is, so this is kind of fascinating. This, the mandrel is, uh, doesn't come all the way through the disc on the polypro disc. So it's, it's, a, little, it's a different animal than, than a lot of the – and actually even the cosmetic is the same story where the mandrel comes through the disc. So it's, it's definitely worth a try. I, I will report back on what, what use I have with them because they're literally yeah. just getting to the office now. So. You're not going. I don't think it's going to. I don't think you're going to say that it polishes better than Softlex because because that's a good product. Sure. But what you're going to say is that I think that it's 
easier and faster. Let's be honest. I use discs for finishing anyhow. I don't really polish with discs because because we're we're pretty big fans of the BioClear <laughs> Magic Mix that 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 I'm makes sure. that that makes that makes like the lazy man's but but this for finishing this looks really good. Like this has this has some stuff that I haven't used before. So I'll keep everyone posted, but one of the things I love about Premier is that they really do make products for regular dentists. This is not this is the, their their products are competitively priced and and they make really basically they, it's pretty much all useful stuff. So Premier inspired solutions for daily dentistry. And Zach and I will keep you posted on the polishing front. So we were talking about we were talking about big ass composites and um like a lot of people are against them because of the fact that there's no you know there's there's no literature saying that they work. And frankly, as done in the past, they don't hold up all that well. I mean necessarily. Maybe in some people's hands they do, but so a couple of the things that I'm going to throw out here right now that that I don't even think you can judge big composites uh, in some ways unless they're done a certain way. First thing, and I'm not, I am not uh, consistent with this. You can't, I can't claim to have any moral high ground. But if it's not done under ideal isolation, it's not the same as as one that is done under ideal isolation. So a rubber well, dam or or at very least an ice light. But I would even say a rubber dam is probably. It's probably that's the gold standard, and judging it without that is maybe not fair. And and that's true. And that and that uh, and then that goes back to your you know almost your original point is that you know done on a low cost basis for someone you know that you might see at the fair is even that level of restoration already priced out. You know, is even that like going to be you know to a high level? You know, because is is someone going to take the time to do the the rubber dam and isolate it and um, you know, spend the time necessary to get that done correctly. It's not easy. No, it's not. I, it's really funny too because I think rubber dam doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be. And, and I will. I'm going to plug another episode of the Alan Mead Experience that'll be coming out. I just talked with uh, Dr. Jason Smith and talking about the guy who who is you know literally teaching these high end composite restorations. We were talking about rubber dam and how you know the very best restorative dentists are not the ones who have all the techniques with with layering and. Fan- the very best, you know, restorative dentists are the ones who stick to the fundamentals. The ones that, the ones, and and he basically spent twenty minutes telling me how to the verbals he uses with patients to get them to accept a rubber dam, and then some of the techniques he uses to use rubber dam. And 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 I found that really refreshing. Every time I talk with him, I find it kind of refreshing because you know you would expect him to be highfalutin and snobbish, and he's really not because his background, the way he got started, is not like that. Like he basically he is what he is because he's. He's stuck with the really good fundamentals and, and has learned from that. But I think a lot of times we dump the fundamentals. Here's another one that I just I don't follow through on as well as I should. And and Dave Clark from BioClear is all about this. And a lot of the a lot of the high end tomorrow tooth style Italiano guys all do this is uh, biofilm removal, like getting the crap off the teeth before you try and bond to it. Whether that means like um like the BioClear guys don't use air abrasion per se. They use a, they use more of a, a polishing. It's an aluminum tri something aluminum trioxide something. I'll I'll figure it out. I, I but it's it's not an abrasive in the way that it cuts enamel necessarily, but it but it removes stain like crazy and it removes a biofilm like crazy. And then there's guys like Jason Smithson who flat out use air abrasion prior to bonding and that helps them. So, but I do it does make a ton of sense. It's plausible, so plausible. You can't bond to a tooth if you're if the tooth isn't completely uncovered and clean. Does that make sense to you? 
It, it does, and you know, I'm I'm guilty of not really doing the biofilm removal. I, rubber dam, I, I'm you know fifty fifty on. Mm-hmm. Um, Biofilm removal. I do have an air abrasion unit in each of my rooms. I do use that most of the time, but I don't have like a, I don't have what you're t- what the the biofilm. Well, but arguably, if you're using the, the air abrasion, do you, so so yeah. how do you use your air abrasion unit? Well, after I cut a cut the, a preparation, I'll uh, I'll kind of sand sandblast it out, you know, before I. I guess it's more of a sandblaster than an air than a true sure, air abrasion sure, unit. It's sure. more than just one of the Danville micro etchers. Yeah, I'll, I'll use that and kind of kind of clean clean the prep and then. Um, and then get into my bonding protocol okay. from there. That's 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 my that's my usual routine. That's for, pretty, especially that's pretty for those great. larger restorations. That's pretty great because I I'm not I'm not even reliable to that. I and I would argue that <laughs> this is crazy. But like if you were really sticking to the fundamentals, you could you could do the whole Dave Clark put on the rubber dam, stain that thing, remove all the biofilm, and then yet before you bond, go ahead and sandblast your preparation for. <laughs> I mean, like you could potentially do both of those things and maybe up your odds. I don't know. I mean, like, sure. so it comes down to what what are you willing to what are you willing to do and what are you willing not to compromise on? And I have to say, I've been struggling with that lately. That's sort of well, the thing. That, that's a good. I mean, and you're right though that there's still plenty of people out there that say that you know that they won't work. I went to a Gordon Christensen lecture just you know not too long ago where, you know, he has the standard rule if the if the tooth's more than half the width of the the, the or if sorry if the composite is more than Oh gosh, and I'm I'm flubbing this up. No, I know it's I, half I, the isthmus width or something like that. Basically, if the composite was is was so far in between the cusps, if it if it exceeded that, you might as well be doing an on layer of crown. Like it just wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I I wonder if he says that as just a general rule because he knows that most people haven't been to a uh, BioClear or Cosmoden type of course. Um, and so for those people, it's true that it would not work. I would love, I would love to hear how Rella comes down on BioClear because I know she knows about it. She and, and Dr. Clark are, are pretty tight. Like, like actually Dave did a lot of lecturing for them back kind of, it was kind of before BioClear came on real strong and, right. and, and Dr. Christensen was off doing, he was, he was off for like that year or whatever. So I know actually, you know, two favorites of the dental hacks, uh, Dr. Mike Detola and Dr. David Clark both spent a lot of time sort of sort of being Gordon Christensen while he was gone at that point. So it would not surprise me if, if uh, Rella is familiar with that as well. I do have to say, though, I think Gordon Christensen probably embodies the, the when I'm talking about fundamentals, that's sort of probably what he does, right? But, but part of it comes down well, to, yeah. like, as I was talking about before, research. You know, how do you, yeah, is, 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 is lab research, like, what's the best way to judge what works and what doesn't? And in dental school, I know when I was in dental school, and the University of Minnesota would probably disown me for saying it, we got no background in literature review whatsoever. Like, like nothing. Yeah. They never taught true. us how to read a paper. They never taught us, you know, how to how to gauge true or false. And the reality is, is that anyone who is really good at understanding research design realizes that almost all dentistry, the research design is bunk. Right? It's it's just not. It doesn't test what would be important for for clinical stuff. You know. Um, Outcome-based research is so much better than that stuff. They never do that stuff, essentially. Well, also, it also is going to come down to who, who's going to fund that. Uh, who's going to fund that type of a study? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't think BioClear is big enough to uh, to to fund that that large of a study. Right. And and who's that going to benefit? You know, the com- the composite companies at some point. 
most of them own some type of a uh, a like a, a lithium disilicate type of a product that they'd rather yeah. they'd probably rather see you use yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. rather than use a, a bunch of bunch more of their composites so, that is a, that is a really good point though because let's be honest do companies want to compete with themselves maybe as little as what about what about a company like 3m that has both like some of the highest end impression materials like some of the best reviewed impression materials in the world and a scanner like how interesting is that right i mean i guess they understand that there's two different pieces of that market but they're in a way they're sort of competing with themselves right well they are and i guess i guess in a lot of ways all those those companies you know compete with themselves but it probably just doesn't benefit them to to show that wow you know a really well done composite with Filtech ultra supreme or for ivoclar tetric you know yeah. evo ceram yeah. is better than or the equal E-Max. to yeah. their their emacs product or yeah. in 3m's cases and it is it celtra yeah. um you know the, they don't really want to do that either that's you know, it makes kinda... it makes a ton, it makes a ton of sense, and I'm sure that a lot of people have never thought that far into it. But I'm like, yeah, you're you're kind of right. I and research. The thing about it is, is that all dentists are are uh, intimidated by other dentists that are able to quote research, right? I mean, like if I can say that if, if this research proves this, 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 and and perhaps maybe they should be. But the reality is, is that reading a, an abstract from PubMed is not the same as understanding research design. And I, I'm not saying that I do. In fact, most oh, dentists don't. Most yeah, dentists don't, don't actually. Most dentists have difficulty coming up with with the the full. Like if if it was a paper, you know, in a journal, unless you unless you subscribe to that journal, how do you even get it? Like it's, I mean, or unless you've got a relationship with a dental school or something like that. So it's the reality is like there's a lot of people like to talk about papers and all that stuff, but I think most dentists don't have access to that, and and perhaps we should be spending all the money in the world to uh, to be keeping up on that stuff but that's you know those well, journals are, they're not giving those away i'm just saying no well look at what we all do we all sign up for things like uh christensen cr or the dental advisor someone who looks at that research and then you know knows that it's you know kind of like a too long didn't read kind of a thing and they condense it down into a few paragraphs that you might actually read um i like and, that and i like that approach but it still doesn't make me conversant though that's the i mean like i, I understand yes and i and I, but on the other hand there's no way i would I, I can't i can't read an article on facebook like i can't make it through the end of that <laughs> i mean the bottom, the bottom line is like our social media culture has made it so i haven't i can barely make it like i don't read books with my eyes anymore i can listen to audible but I just I don't have the attention span for it. I, I mean, I'm, and I'm pathological that way. So to think that I would I could dig through research in the way that a lot of these guys can. So then what happens is is I believe them if I if they seem plausible to me, then I just believe them. Whether it's Jason Smithson or David Clark or whatever who you know who's gone through the research. But the reality is I couldn't I couldn't tell you the specifics because I haven't read it. You know, and I think all, a lot of, we all do that. I mean, it's a matter of well. I- we all put Alan, we all put a, a lot of faith into either some guru who, that we we end up kind of following or some type of sus- subscription service that we follow and and I I would argue that at least that's better than you know just doing whatever your rep tells you to do yeah you know which is which is I think what a lot of people do you know uh so I, I think that but but the other thing is that the <laughs> the rep is there in your office and seems helpful so why wouldn't you and in the reality is some reps are actually somewhat knowledgeable, but but on the other hand, true, you, you absolutely you, true. You can't ever take the rep as the straight stuff. You really can't because they. I mean, there's it's like real estate agents, man. I mean, like there's always if you, <laughs> if you follow the money, the benefit is always towards you know getting the highest price. I don't care what anyone's 
says about any of that. Oh, you're stuff. right. And and it's it isn't you know I think my reps have given me good deals and all that sort of thing, but it works for them when I buy stuff. I mean that's the that's the bottom line. So I mean reps are great, and I don't mean to to run them down necessarily, but but the reality is is that they'll have a new product next year, so they'll be bagging on the product they're selling you right now because they want to sell more of the new stuff. You know, that's real. Yeah. You know, that's I mean heaven only knows dentists can 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 brag about their bonding agents all day long. And when in reality, the good ones are all doing pretty much <laughs> the same thing. Right. I mean, like that's the, uh, that's, that's one of the, that's always one of the things I've, I've spent plenty of time reading bonding agent articles. And then uh, one time I listened to a, a Howard Fran podcast where he's like, you know, he's like all these companies employ a lot of scientists to figure out how this stuff works. Yep. Their glue probably sticks. Yeah. You know, yeah. so just go with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's probably really true at the end of the day. Well, and, and I mean, like if it, what tests does it have to pass for it to be clinically acceptable in my office? Well, I want it to not, I want my filling to not fall out, but let's be honest. That's a, that's a pretty low bar for the most part, unless, you know, and uh, I, particularly if it's, if it's a retentive preparation in any, in any form one way or the other. I mean, if you're bonding uh, flat to an, I, I don't know. I don't even know how. To, how do you even know when it's the bonding agent's fault? With so many things that I can do wrong with that bonding agent, I mean, it's just that's that's a great question. And, and basically, you summed up why even while any diff, any uh, research project would be difficult to difficult to account for all the variables. I agree. I just thought about this too earlier this week. Um, did you do a GPR? I did not. No, you and I nope, both. Nope. You know, and you went into Dad's office right off the bat. I went so into Dad's yeah. office. Dad was Dad was my GPR, yep. and that was a that was a he was a he was a fantastic GPR. I agree. I, I got I got plenty out of, uh, but I also think, I mean, a GPR could be wasted on a new dentist. That's I know that's very controversial, but why don't they have a GPR that like that like meets? Uh, you know, several weekends, long weekends a year for someone who's five years out or something like that. So that, so that in other words, sometimes for a GPR, I'll bet you that you don't have enough clinical experience to get out of it or, or something like that. In other words, why don't they have dental school for dentists who've been out for five years? Why don't they have a way to, because I think what happens is you learn enough to be passable, but the reality is clinical experience it helps you ask the right questions after the fact. So after after you've got some clinical experience, I feel like something like they make us choose our CE instead of having something more laid out, more you know what I mean? Like I don't. Yes. I'd rather not have to know how to choose the right CE. I'd just rather be able to trust someone. And say this is great CE, and we're going to do this. We're going to do this five times a year. We're going to get together with the same group of people, and you're going to learn this stuff, and you're going to. I, you know, in a way, it's like a GPR for dentists who are already out on the world. I don't know. Why, why don't they do something? And I guess maybe I, I, the AGD tracks maybe are like that. I don't know. I've never looked into the AGD tracks, but that looks – that kind of looks similar to what yeah. you're talking about. talks about how, uh, you know, you have to get this well-rounded view, whereas, you know, I pick courses a lot of times – Unfortunately, based on stuff I'm already good at, because it's like, yeah. you know, I just want to get better at stuff I'm already good at, and that's the wrong way to approach it. But I, I don't know, guilty. I'm guilty of doing that because uh, it, sometimes it sucks to go to courses perhaps where you're other, not good at something. Perhaps for a whole other podcast, but I, I honestly exactly. think specialization is actually a great thing. I think, I think, because you know, there's there's people who love surgery, there's people who love endo, there's people who love, and I'm talking general dentists who love this stuff. 
I, why aren't we all working together in a practice so that so that you know the guy who doesn't like class two composites can hand them off to the guy that does the guy who wants to just place implants just places implants because you honestly some people say oh the variety is everything I'm like yeah that's fine but you know what you can get really good and really systematic at stuff why don't we do that I'm so that's You're probably, probably talking about the future yeah you know, maybe you really are if we're smart we are but the thing about it is is that then. The guy who's doing the class two composites gets paid a lot less than the guy who's you know placing implants because it's a higher value. But so the, you have to work that part out of it. If you're going to have a a practice full of practitioners that sort of specialize in a certain area of general dentistry, you can't you can't have one guy get paid everything and the other guy who's doing the the slog grunt work that no one else wants to do get paid less. But that's I mean that's a that's a a whole other that's a whole we've talked a little bit about that on the dental hacks. That's a whole other podcast. But actually you know we are actually approaching. End of our time here again. So maybe maybe our next podcast should be talking about <laughs> subspecializing in general practice dentistry. I don't know. Alan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having yeah, me on the thanks show. Thanks a lot, I, Zach. Really, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll definitely talk again soon. All righty. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of the Alan Meat Experience podcast, please hit me with an email, Alan, A L A N, at the Alan Meat Experience.com. I'd like to thank Premier Dental Products, again, for supporting the show, as always. Premier Dental Products, inspired solutions for daily dentistry. And go to iTunes, leave me a review. And that's all the time I have. Goodbye.